Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related, from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and everything in between. They also have an extensive library of podcasts, which I highly suggest you go check out after you finish this episode here. Now, today's episode is going back to the more realistic the more true crimey aspect of the world around us. But it does have a supernatural element to it as well. Back in 1900, yeah, 1900 exactly, three lighthouse keepers off the northwest coast of Scotland on a small chain of islands mysteriously vanished. Yep, just boom, off the face of the earth. Thanos snapped away, supposedly anyway. This is the chilling and sometimes weird true story of the Flannan Isle disappearances. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. So as the story goes, three lighthouse keepers who were maintaining the lighthouse around the Flanlin Isle, just up and disappeared one day, just from the face of the earth, gone. There were never any bodies found, and an official investigation conducted by a superintendent named Robert Muirhead determined that the sea had washed the men away. Of course, this didn't satisfy anybody's curiosity, and so a whole lot of theories began to spring up. But who were the men that went missing? Well, the three lighthouse keepers in question were Donald MacArthur, James Ducat, and Thomas Marshall. As mentioned, their bodies were never found, and a ton of speculation grew from there. People started making art about these men. Movies, and plays, and poems. Oh my. All sorts of different crazy things and theories sprung up. But before we get into all that, let's just take a look at the history of the lighthouse and the isle in general. Some say it was haunted or cursed prior to these events. Now, at the time, the lighthouse wasn't even that old. It was being constructed for four years between 1895 and 1899. And, well, the disappearances took place in 1900, so it was operational for about a year before these three men, well, up and vanished. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of history about this place. The island is a different story, but the lighthouse, well... That was just there. It was new at the time. It was first lit on December 7th, 1899. And the disappearances took place almost exactly one year later. However, let's look at some of these strange occurrences that took place before, you know, before these men disappeared and the legends surrounding the Isle in the first place. Well, on his podcast, Skeptoid Brian Dunning alleges that small bones were reportedly dug up on the island, earning the area the nickname the Isle of Little Men. Another moniker, according to the 1790 edition of the Annual Register of World Events, is the Isle of Pygmies. In his investigative piece, The Vanishing Lighthouse Men of Ilan Moore, British historian Mike Dash shares the findings of folklorist Martin Martin. That's a clever name. According to Martin Martin? Mr. Martin Martin? Martin Martin Martin. I wonder if he likes just Martin, Martin Martin, Dr. Martin, Mr. Martin, who knows? Anyway, Martin Martin, some residents of the nearby Isle of Lewis would visit 
the flanlins in the summer, and when they got up to the island, all of them uncover their heads and make a turn sunways round, thanking God for their safety. Then apparently the Lewis inhabitants performed small, strange rituals on the island, described by Martin as, quote, when they are within about 20 paces of the altar, they all strip themselves of their upper garments at once, and their upper clothes being laid upon a stone, which stands there on purpose for that use. All the crew pray three times before they begin fouling. The first day they say the first prayer, advancing towards the chapel upon their knee. The second prayer is said as they go around the chapel. The third is said hard, by or at the chapel. And this is their morning service. End quote. So, as you can see, somebody somewhere along the lines believed that this place had some kind of power. Whether it was just spiritual or maybe they were praising some sort of island deity that they saw there. Maybe it's something akin to Midnight Mass, that new Netflix show where they saw something and mistook it for something else. Angel, vampire, demon, monster, just a man hanging out on the island and had a boat on the other side and they didn't see it. And they thought he was some sort of monster, man, god. Who knows? Who knows what people believed back in the 1700s or 1800s. 1900s even. We're only talking a few hundred years ago now, but things have changed quite a bit. But let's get into some of the theories about what happened to these men. We don't know for certain. All we know is that they disappeared. However, some of these stranger theories have emerged, citing that giant birds are responsible for their disappearances, or even maybe aliens. Of course, these theories lack any sort of hard evidence, Yet, they have persisted over the years, with many advocates still frequenting paranormal forums today. According to the news site and podcast, Mysterious Universe, some people believe aliens were involved in the mystery as well. And as we said earlier, giant birds played a part, potentially, as local legends claim that this is the roost of some kind of giant mythological bird that was known to carry men away. They still haunt the island, apparently. Looking for people to eat is my guess. It's as good a guess as any. Another theory is that all three men left their posts, which I should mention is very, very much a no-no. Prohibited is the word I see popped up a lot here. Now, according to the Northern Lighthouse Board, the NBL, the tragedy came to light after the master of the Hesperus vessel, Captain James Harvey, sent a telegram on December 26th, 1900. This telegram was about the missing men. Captain Harvey had asked Assistant Lightkeeper Joseph Moore, who was aboard the Hesperus, and on his way to provide relief duty to search the island for any sign of life. When Moore returned to the ship reporting that the three men had disappeared, Captain Harvey composed his telegram, which read as, quote, On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket, but as no response was made, managed to land Moore, who went up to the station but found no keepers there. The clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. After investigating the lighthouse, Moore wrote a letter detailing his observations. He wrote, quote, Now there is nothing to give us an indication that it was there the poor men lost their lives, only that Mr. Marshall and his sea boots 
on and oilskins. Also, Mr. Ducat had his sea boots on. He had no oilskin, only an old waterproof coat. And that is away. Donald MacArthur has his wearing coat left behind, which shows, as far as I know, that he went out in shirt sleeves. Man, reading old English, or old-timey English, I should say, is difficult. Their sentence structure is much different than modern-day language, I guess, English. Anyway, it appeared all three lighthouse staffers had left their posts at the same time, a move that is against protocol, according to History UK. The NLB then dispatched a superintendent, Robert Muirhead, to further investigate. Muirhead completed his report on January 8th, 1901. One of the stranger aspects about this, other than people just kind of vanishing off the face of the planet, is the log, or the log book, and most importantly, the entries that were left last. Now, science and skepticism writer Brian Dunning reports on his podcast that the three men were very much of their time. They're quiet, practical, and not really superstitious in any way. This makes the final entry in the lighthouse of the log of Thomas Marshall, the man who is second in command, pretty unsettling. I'm going to read them to you. There's a few here. December 12th, gale north by northwest, sea lashed to fury, storm bound 9 p.m., never seen such a storm, everything shipshape, Ducat irritable, 12 p.m., storm, still raging, wind steady, storm bound, cannot go out. Ship passed, sounding foghorn. Could see lights of cabins. Ducat quiet. MacArthur crying. December 13th. Storm continued through the night. Wind shifted west by north. Ducat quiet. MacArthur praying. 12 noon. Gray daylight. Me, Ducat, and MacArthur prayed. December 15th. It's 1 p.m. Storm ended. Sea calm. God is over all. Now, there's no deciphering what those words meant, not being superstitious and maybe not even being particularly religious. It's hard to say what really happened on that island that day. What caused these men to be silent, to pray, to cry? It just seems very out of character for all three of them. But what it does indicate is that they did realize something was amiss, something was wrong. Now, they said the storm was the worst that they had ever seen, or at least one of them said that. And if the accounts in the diary are correct, then it does seem like the other two were not particularly keen on the situation either. But these were seamen, after all. They were used to terrible weather, bad storms, and just being isolated in general. So what caused them to write what they did in that logbook? That's something we will never know. One of the mysterious things as well was that the kitchen was a complete mess. When replacement lighthouse keeper Joseph Moore arrived and opened the door to the lighthouse, according to that podcast earlier, the Skeptoid Podcast by Brian Dunning, he was greeted by an odd sight. There was evidence that whatever fate had befallen the keepers had come suddenly. The front door was left open, half-eaten meals of mutton and potato sat on the table, and a chair was on its side. But strangest of all, the clocks had stopped working, and there was no logical explanation as to why. Now I'm going to assume, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this is where the alien theory comes in. 
There are often reports of people who've been abducted that lose time. Their watches stop working or the clock in their car freeze on a certain time and never move forward. That seems like the case here. If they were visited by strange little men from outer space, it would suggest that maybe the clock stopped because of that. But again, that's just conjecture. It's just plain old theory crafting over here. But that would be the only reason I can think of as to why the clocks stopped working. Or maybe because they were wound clocks and that somebody had to be there to wind them up and it's been a week and, well, nobody wound them up and they stopped working. But I don't know that for sure. I don't know what type of clock it was. Maybe it was a grandfather clock or maybe it was a pocket watch. Who knows? Who knows? The fact of the matter is it was strange that that was what happened. That the clocks had stopped working. Now, some may find it a little eerie that they were found the day after Christmas on December 26th. There apparently weren't any flags flying over the lighthouse, and none of the keepers came down to meet the crew or respond to a signal flare which was fired by the incoming ship, the Hesperus. More, the lighthouse keeper had to climb the treacherous steps to the dark lighthouse to investigate. All of that was probably pretty uncommon. The lighthouse keepers would come down to greet incoming ships and to maybe fill in the relief on what's going on. What happened? Any repairs that need to be made, so on and so forth. Now, we mentioned that big old storm earlier, and according to historian Mike Dash, who wrote the investigative piece, The Vanishing Lighthouse Men of Eileen Moore, claims that due to bad weather, no one showed up to the lighthouse until December 26th, leaving the men on duty longer than they had to be. Evidently, he said, quote, the west landing has been exposed to heavy weather at some time between the previous relief on December 7th and Moore's return on December 26th. So it's possible that maybe the men got very frustrated and were like, fuck it, I'm gone. Peace, we're out. We don't get paid enough for the blah, 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 blah. You know the story. You know, and you're working retail and somebody doesn't come in for their shift and that means you have to pull a double and you've already been there eight hours and now you gotta close the store after opening the store and you wanna pull your hair out. But imagine that for like a week or more. The relief never came and it's possible that they just didn't get any word. So they're like, all right, let's leave. And maybe they perished on their way out because they decided to leave during a storm. Hmm, I don't know, who knows? It's all, all a mystery and that's why this is called the mystery of Flanlin Island. The captain of the ship that arrived at the isle, or the lighthouse, was the captain of the Hesperus, which we've talked about, James Harvey. And that was the relief ship sent to deliver supplies and an assistant lightkeeper to the island. When the vessel arrived at the lighthouse, the crew performed a brief search before sending out a very ominous telegram that opened with the following, quote, A dreadful accident has happened at Flanlands. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the Occasional, have disappeared from the island. In this telegram, Captain Harvey also mentioned, quote, poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowning, trying to secure a crane or something like that. Even speculation happened day of discovery. Now, what do you get with a 120 year old mystery on an island kind of isolated away from civilization? You get hauntings. Of course you get hauntings. Why wouldn't you get hauntings? Historic UK claims that the Flanlin Isle Lighthouse has become a tourist destination for explorers interested in the paranormal. 
as there are reports of hauntings and ghostly apparitions on the island. The British History Guide also says the other lighthouse keepers down the years have noted odd occurrences. After the men's mysterious disappearance in December of 1900, subsequent lighthouse keepers have reported hearing eerie voices carried by the breeze, which allegedly cried out for Marshall, Ducat, and MacArthur, the three lighthouse keepers that vanished. Alright, so what does the official explanation say about this? Well, they say they were swept away by a big old rogue wave during the massive storm. Shortly after receiving news about the men's disappearance, the NLB, that's what we say in the biz, the National Lighthouse Board, the NLB, dispatched Robert Muirhead to examine the island. Based on transcripts of Muirhead's report as provided by the NLB, the superintendent came to a surprisingly ordinary conclusion. After a careful explanation of the place, the railings, ropes, etc., and weighing all the evidence which I could secure, I am of the opinion that the most likely explanation for the disappearance of the men is that they had all gone down in the afternoon of Saturday, December 15th to the proximity of the West Landing to secure the box with the mooring ropes and that an unexpectedly large roller had come up to the island and a large body of water going up higher than they were and coming down upon them had swept them away with resistless force. That's fine and dandy and all, but that doesn't explain the half-eaten meals, the tipped-over chair, the stopped clocks. I suppose it could explain some of those. Maybe one was out doing a perimeter check and noticed that something was loose on the west side of the island. So, halfway through dinner, one stands up, the other one gets up, and the chair just falls over, no real rush, just oops, tipped over, we'll pick it up when we get back, and then I'll finish my dinner then but they never came back because they were swept away by said rogue wave. But then there's the journal entries, the logbook that has all sorts of weird shit written in it, about praying and God is all over us and whatever. It does seem that whenever there's a logical explanation, we can go back to the illogical. Why did this happen if this happened? If it were as simple as a rogue wave, why were they all crying and praying? Why were they writing in the logbook in such mysterious ways? Why was the dinner not finished and the kitchen a mess? Did the wave hit up there? There were no reports of mass amounts of water in the kitchen. So it's just all very interesting and confusing. Their bodies, as I said, were never found. But one person, a contemporary writer, does claim to have solved the mystery all by their lonesome. In 2015, the Sunday Post reported that naturalist John Love, who has extensively researched the incident, may have an explanation. In his book, Natural History of Lighthouses, Love mentions that the keepers had received a fine for storing their gear improperly during a previous storm. So, as another storm approached in late December 1900, two of the lighthouse keepers may have gone out to secure the equipment to avoid another fine. Love writes, quote, since it was not permitted for all three to abandon the lighthouse, only two of the men must have gone down to the landing to secure the gear. The third, Donald MacArthur, would have remained back in the lighthouse, but when his companions did not return, he would have grown concerned for their safety, or else perhaps he saw a great wave approach and rushed to warn them. Thus, taking them all away. That last part was mine. The quote ended with, to warn them. 
Now, that does seem like a very logical explanation, and it does fit with the official report. But, but there's always a but. What about the log entries? Why so mysterious? Why so ominous? Were they playing a joke? Were they trying to scare the replacement keeper? Who was coming to replace them? It's hard to say, really, what those words meant and why they were written, but it does seem like a big old wave to take him away at one point. Either that or aliens. It's all I can come up with. But let me know what you think. Leave a post on our Facebook page over here at Horror Shots on Facebook. Or if you want to follow along on Twitter, you can do that too at Horror Shots Prod as in production. I also have a fancy little Instagram page where I sometimes post unique little pictures. And you can find that on Instagram at Ominous Origins Pod. But don't forget to leave a review. That's the most important thing. If you are listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, then please feel free to leave a review there. Any five-star reviews will be read out on the show. So if you want a shout-out, that is the best way to go about it. And it would make me super-duper happy in the long run. But that's all I got for you this week. So until next time.